0: good morning city life good morning city lifers visitors we're grateful that you're here merry christmas it's almost here Uh, if i haven't met you yet my name is pedro reese and uh like i say every week if you are here checking us out or have been here for a while right below there's a notes section and one of the links there is i'm new uh we want to connect with you we want to walk down this road with you. Uh, I want to have a cup of coffee with you if you would like to. Uh, We want to share life together with our city and anyone who comes in our doors. Um, We believe that Jesus is for all people. And so connect with us. We want to walk down this road with you. We want to explore with you. That's what we're passionate about. Just as a response, quick response to last week, right after service, we kind of had a family meeting even for our online people where we said, you know, if you really don't feel comfortable with coming in person, uh, also just, just a note, just as have said this, uh, our in-person service, we're taking every precaution that we can. We are fully masked the whole time. Uh, and We want to just build a safe environment for all of our people to be at. So um, consider coming with us, uh, 165 Newark Avenue, same time, 10 a.m. Um, but if you are just not there, we are still making room in our community because that is what we feel called to do. We feel called to take care of city life, everyone, uh, and not force people to be inside, though that's what, how we want to be doing church. Um, and so the best way to respond if you want to be an online member is to join an NMC. If you're not an NMC, join one. It's the heart of what we do as a church. It's how we pursue the gospel most intimately. Uh, more than Sundays, because we can only do so much on Sundays. Sunday is one day of the week. We have six other days to live life together and to pursue Jesus. And so if you're not a part of an MC, consider joining. It's the most important thing that we do as a church. It's how we pursue the gospel deeply. And so uh, today, Merry Christmas. This is the last week of Advent for Sundays. This is the last time that I have the privilege of addressing us preparing us. Get ready for Christmas. Christmas is on Saturday. Christmas is crazy. Christmas is radical. Christmas is absurd is the word that I've been using a lot this year. Uh, and we, we have one last time to plead with us, to try and motivate us to like let Christmas this year mean something special, something deeper, something more intimate. Um, spend time with the Lord every day this week before Saturday. She's like, Lord, what is Christmas all about? Read Luke chapter one. Read Luke chapter two. The other gospel accounts too. But we've preached mostly from Luke this year. Like, Lord, how is it that you told this story, set everything up, and did things so beautifully? Uh, get the heart of a Christmas. Don't don't wake up on Saturday and just be like, oh, Merry Christmas is another day. But like as a believer in Christ, as a pursuer of him, like, Lord, wow, you are amazing. What you did was astounding. And so today is my last chance to tell us about like, this God of the universe who came down to be with us. This, this immaterial spirit, this uncaused causer who spoke everything into being he was not okay with any other plan other than sending himself here. And he put on our humanity. He put reality on him, right? He, Though he was like always beyond time, beyond space, beyond all these physical rules that he created and put into motion, he stepped into it. And not only did he physically step into it, he like put on our nature also so that he could one day look at us when we see him face to face and say like, my love overcame every barrier. You were running from me, and I chased after you. Humanity was running from me and hiding like Adam and Eve, but I came after you. I loved you so much, I wanted you with me, and I drew you close to me by taking the first step. And that's what, that's what Christmas is. That One day we'll stand in front of Jesus, and like we can tell him the things that happened to him, and he's like, yeah, that happened to me. I remember what that's like. They did that to me too. It's like, oh yeah, that hurt. I remember it hurting like that. Advent is crazy. Christmas is ludicrous. If not true, then man, it makes no sense. But I thank God that it is true, that it did happen, and that we have a historical Jesus who loved us. And so today we are talking, we're gonna talk about a lot of things, but today we're talking about how How Advent was the consummation of God-sized joy in creation. That in the birth, the humble, meek, silent birth of Jesus, joy invaded the world like never before. Joy inundated the world like never before. And today we're talking about how fundamentally, at its core, joy, we're going to define it today, but joy fundamentally is a choice. It's not a set of emotions, but a choice to look for God in all the harsh places. To so look for God when it makes no sense to. Joy is a choice to live this lifestyle with the Lord in relationship with Him. And to start off, I wanted to tell this story about a time in my life where I could not see joy. A very like important time of joy where I couldn't fully see it and grasp onto it. Or hold on to it for very long in a very joyous part of my time because the realities of life were drowning me out. See, one of the things that I hope and I pray that I am remembered as, that I remember, I hope like that my family remembers me. My legacy in my family is that I loved my kids and I served them well. Like I hope that if you know me, one of the things that you know is most true about me is that I love my family. I love my kids and I want to do everything that I can to care for them, to give them safety, to give them meaning and significance and a dad who is present in their life. And I, one of the reasons why that is so important to me is because I feel like I started that off on really rocky ground when Ryan, my firstborn, when yeah, my firstborn was born. And part of it had to do with the circumstances of our lives. Anne and I were in this place in life where we had very little. One of the things we didn't have was health insurance. And so we planned for it, right? We were trying to do this responsibly. We joined a Christian uh, health care co-op, which works a little bit differently. And you have to pay everything up front. But we knew we would leave the pregnancy with no debt, that it would all be taken care of. If we can just keep up with the payments and then submit the, the, the delivery, everything would work out all right. But like, I was so stressed at the time. I was just so stressed, like, okay, we gotta make this payment, or we've gotta be on top of this. It, we've gotta, like, okay, I gotta make sure this happens. And I was just like, so often missed choosing joy in that season. And like the, the height of it was when Ann went into delivery. Like she, it was ready. She was, she was ready. It was time. I remember she was really craving falafel. So on the way to my parents' house, we got falafel. We went to my parents' house to hang out for a couple of hours before she, like, because we knew if we went too early, the hospital would turn us away or say, you just got to wait. And so we waited and waited until, I was like, okay, it's time to go. This is too much. We we need to go. And we were going there, and they admitted admitted us, and we were there, and we were waiting. I remember we took a nap, and I took a picture of of our last nap before the baby was born. And, man, like... At that point, I was pretty excited. I was choosing joy. Uh, The whole situation, the whole like birthing process has been stressful, but I was there and I was ready to meet my son. And the nurse comes in. Literally, she says, okay, mom, it's almost time. I'm gonna go get the doctor. We're gonna get you ready. 15 minutes and we're gonna start pushing. And then all of a sudden, as she was almost leaving the room, a hospital administrator came in the room, and she looked at us and said, "Dad, um, for me to be able to leave this room, I need to have ten thousand dollars." And I lost it. Like and all the stress flooded me. Like the picture of myself that I have now, looking back at it, is that I was like I was. Just the big old, my body was a big old cup and up to the the top of my head was just stress. I was full of stress. Thankfully, the nurse heard this and kicked her out of the room and told her to never come back into one of her rooms again. She protected us and I thank God for that because I don't know what I would have done if that didn't happen. But I like stressed it and the realities of this delivery just overcame me and for weeks, like... I loved my son. I enjoyed him, but it messed with me emotionally. And for weeks, I couldn't truly enjoy my son being here. I couldn't truly enjoy every moment I had with him. There was some part of my head that was always stressed, like, Lord, what's going to happen? And I share that story because I think that is, like, it's obviously related to the birth of Jesus, but it's a very real picture of, like, when life just over saturates us with stress, with the realities, with pain and sorrow and difficulties, but choice is about choosing to live and taste God's goodness. Joy is this choice to like say like, Lord, no one's gonna steal my joy because I have you. And so let me pray and then we will go into this story of God bringing Jesus to this world and bringing joy for the entire world. And so let's pray. And then we'll jump right on in to talk about him being here. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this day. Lord, Merry Christmas to you. I've never even thought of you thinking about us celebrating your birth. thats I've honestly I've never, never thought about that. That thought just came into my mind, Lord. And I, I just want to thank you for what you did. Lord, I pray that you would be here with us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be with me in the preaching of your word and every heart listening. I pray that you would be with our whole church, our whole community and everyone exploring what is it about this Christmas thing? Why won't this Jesus thing ever go away? And Lord, I pray that you'd be with us to teach us, to mold us, to confront us with your love and the audacity of what you did. We love you. We're so grateful for you. Thank you for coming and for being with us. Thank you for bringing joy into the world. And I pray that joy becomes this characteristic that marks the whole of our lives from this day on. Jesus, we love you. ask for you to be here with us and uh, pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's jump right on in. Our first point for the day is he's here. Uh, one of the things that I felt really directed to do was for us to like look at the birth of Jesus and look at the reality of it and look at the joy in it. Like cause we we have to hold both perfectly together. Like God tells the story in this way to contrast on purpose. Last week we talked about how Jesus balances grace and truth, right? Today we balance the reality of his birth and the joy in his birth. And first we look at the reality. I think one of the dangers that we find in Christmas is that like we want it to be so accessible that we romanticize the realities of it. We romanticize what actually happened, when it's like it was like not a great way to bring any child into this world, like if not for God being behind this, and I'm like, "Oh, the story is not very nice. It's not very romantic. Let's look at some of the circumstances, right? Mary, very, very, very pregnant at this point. And God causes the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, to call a census, right? And and then the Bible, Luke chapter 2, it talks about this in hyperbole. It says that the whole world was moved also that God could bring his anointed promised Messiah to be born in the city that he was prophesied to, right? God moved the entire Roman world so that his son could be born a couple of, like, I think it was like 70 miles from where he currently was. He moved the whole world and this very very pregnant mary you know ladies who are pregnant or people who have been around pregnant women this very pregnant woman walking around with all of her swollen feet her swollen legs uncomfortable hot on a donkey or walking getting dirty getting sweaty i cannot even fathom how uncomfortable she must have been at that moment but this sense is caused Jesus to be born in Bethlehem right so we see God behind that and then Jesus is born here in Luke chapter 2 it talks about it that he like he came and he was finally here right and then he gives us some details it says Starting in verse 6, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. Right? Today is our Christmas message, and then we have to talk about Jesus' birth. He was her firstborn son, and he was wrapped in swaddling cloths, laid in a manger because there was no place in the inn. And those three points of detail are so important to the building of God's story, of what he's telling, of how joy is this choice that supersedes circumstances. The first one being swaddling cloth, right He was born and he was wrapped in swaddling cloth. And no one can really tell you 100 percent what this means because the Greek word here is different, and a lot of people build theology around this and that I agree with a lot of it, but I, we just can't definitively say, oh, it means this. Swaddling cloth, this Greek word that is used here, oft, sometimes is part of funeral processions. Sometimes it's part of, like, wrapping up a dead body, which speaks to what Jesus was coming here in the first place. Part of it also talks about, like, there was swaddling cloth used with when sacrificial animals were born, and that really speaks to what God was doing here. But we don't know. But what we do know is that Jesus is not being wrapped up in some fleece blanket here, right? He's not being born into an environment that we're like, oh, what that was just like a graceful birth, How beautiful. Everything just worked out so perfectly. Nah, that's not what's happening here. And then the next part of detail is that he was laid in a manger. And I want i have this little prop for us. Like this is like, this is what we picture. Beautiful white blonde haired Jesus just laying so beautifully. I don't know if you can really see it, uh, but it's just like, wow, like this little wooden manger holding the born Christ how romantic how beautiful is this and this is not what Jesus was laid in he was not pristine and perfect and clean like this wrapped in this beautiful little outfit here no but he was put in a manger and a manger isn't romantic it's dirty it's disgusting like no baby should be put in a manger And it wasn't even this like little wooden thing here that we think of. A manger was this stone that was hollowed out in the middle and you pour food in it for people to eat. And that's like the picture of what Jesus was, Jesus, the savior of the world. And not even just because he's the savior of the world, because he's this precious little baby He was put in this dirty place. And all of Jesus' birth is like this juggling of reality of like, oh, this is harsh. This isn't nice. This isn't romantic, but it's like real. Like how humble did Jesus actually come in these circumstances? And then lastly, that he, there was no room for him at the inn. Like if I could rip out my hairs on this one, I would. I think it's one of the most unfortunate like improper translation, not because the word here in the Greek doesn't mean in. It does mean in. It makes sense, but there's a much better picture. See, the word for in, if you understand uh, ancient Israelite architecture, because sometimes God is in the architecture as well, there were two parts of a normal home in Israel, the upper room, which was also sometimes called the inn, and the lower room. The upper room is where people lived. It was the room for people. It's like where you see pictures of Jesus reclining with his disciples on pillows, eating foods, like at this table. They're just laying and chilling. That's where people lived. That's where the family was intimate with one another. That was like the safe place where they had Passover and other rites and like where they celebrated one another. That was the realm of people where like intimacy and love happened. There was no room in Bethlehem because of the census where people lived for Jesus. There was no upper room available for Jesus to be born in. Wow, like, okay, there was no room for where people lived. And so Jesus had to be born in the lower room, which is where the animals lived, which is where the sacrificial animals stayed. And, like, if we, like we lose that, we lose the fullness of what Jesus was telling us about where Jesus was born, that he was always supposed to be our sacrifice from the get go. It's like, I'll just, just say that like, there was no room for Jesus where people lived. But the reason why we start here is because this is part of the story God tells. But the beauty in Jesus' birth story is that it, joy is present that in the face of all of these circumstances, this is not a story about the harshness of life. This is the beautiful, cherished, joyful story of when the Messiah came into the world and God makes sure to demonstrate that when he surrounds this entire story with joy. Let's talk about that. I love how fundamentally Jesus' birth story is a story about joy. It's about God bringing his joy to the world. And so let's define it really quick. And uh, big props to Pastor Ryan this week. He like was fundamental in helping me to like really distinguish like what is joy this week. Like Ryan was on overtime this week. So this is a product of him as much as it is a product of t- my time too, but like joy this isn't a systematic definition, but it's a very livable definition. Joy is this tasting of the future fulfillment of God's promises. Joy is when like we experience God and his goodness and we experience that his plan will ultimately come true. Like joy is this like when we find this breaking through of all good, safe, loving, kindness, compassion, all of those Attributes of God it like breaks through the difficulty and the sorrow and the pain of life and we get this glimpse that like God God is in control his plan is coming through and he wants us to feel loved. He wants us to be happy joy isn't those emotions. It's like when God's plan breaks through and we see it We get this glimpse wow he is in control like ultimately this will be okay If I wait and hold on long enough, if I hope enough, if I stay with Jesus, if I keep my commitments, like, yeah, like, it'll come, but joy is when, like, we just get to experience and taste that He's good and that He loves us. It's like this oasis that we find in the desert that satisfies our every need. And We don't always, we can't stay in that oasis, but we find it and it fills us up. And we taste, we like put on his goodness and faithfulness like a jacket, and it keeps us warm. And it motivates us to keep on going because he's going to continue to do it. And the reason why I think Jesus, God tells the story of Jesus' birth this way. The reason why it's not a story about the difficulties of a woman giving birth in bad situations, but it's a story of joy is because God literally surrounds his story with joy. Like he puts joy at the heart before Jesus is coming. He puts it when Jesus comes. Everyone who interacts with the birth narrative of Jesus experiences deep joy. Like Let's take a look at that really quick. Let's look at the few instances where joy comes in before, in Luke, chapter, Luke, chapter 1 and 2 of Luke, of everyone included in the birth narrative. Like We first look to Zechariah. Zechariah is John the Baptist's father. He had this scenario where he was like Abraham and Sarah. Him and his wife were waiting. They wanted a boy and they wanted a a child and they waited for so long and they were old in age. And then an angel, Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, goes to him. And he's like, don't worry. Like, okay, I'll read it instead of saying it. Luke chapter 1, 13 and 14. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zachariah for your prayer has been answered, has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. The, it's the same Greek words there for joy and rejoice, because that's what joy is. It's like this rejoicing. It's this tasting and putting on and communicating God's goodness. And for this old man here, his son was coming, and he was the forerunner of Christ, and so this like, person who played a role in Jesus' coming, he gets joy. Like it's just so much joy. The angel surprises him with this good news. His wife, Elizabeth, later a little bit later, a couple verses later on, she is with child. She has John in her stomach, and she, go, she gets to see Mary. And mary is pregnant with jesus at the time and like just think about the like unfathomable unimaginable joy that is always around god when he acts we get in luke chapter 1 41 to 45 it says this when elizabeth heard the greeting of mary the baby left in her leapt in her womb and elizabeth was filled with the holy spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Like, what? Like, God even gives unborn children in the wombs joy when Jesus is around. Like, that is absurd. That is crazy. That is, like, such a... the perfect way in which God brings joy that like surprises us every time. Like makes no sense other than that it's really real and we get to live in it. Now God surrounds the birth of Jesus with joy. Like, even a little bit, like, a couple verses later, when Mary takes a moment to like just like try and compute and grasp what is happening to her, the privilege that it is that she gets to be the Christ's mother and, like, just the ludicrism of it all. She says, she starts off this song. It's called the Magnificant. And she starts it off by saying in Luke chapter 1, 46 and 47, she says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. The word, therefore, rejoices, literally the same word, Greek word, that we usually define as, translate as joy. And it's just like a, a crazy God's. Working is absolutely beautiful and in all the right areas. And even after Jesus is born, like joy surrounds, even like when he's around here, and everyone who interacts with Jesus explicitly gets a sense of joy. Like the shepherds. Shepherds in their culture were the lowliest of people. Why would God ever bother with telling them that the Savior of the world came to shepherds? Like, Except for lepers, they would be the last people to receive the good news. And yet God sends an angel to go speak to them. And this incredible thing happens. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. It says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And not only that, and like not only does he go and meet these nobodies and tell them like, a Savior came and he is the source of joy for all people, then like God goes overboard to celebrate, like a newborn dad to celebrate the coming of his son. It's like he sends a multitude of angels to sing to shepherds. Like, what? <laughs> what? Like, if Christmas isn't audacious and weird you know, already, like, What, God? You send a multitude of angels to sing for a couple of shepherds? What? And they start singing, they say, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those who He is pleased. It's like, oh my God. God surrounds this harsh story with joy. And even to leave Luke for a second and go to Mark, the three wise men come, and they are also greeted with joy. Matthew 2, verses 10 and 11, it says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures. They offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. It's like, like everyone who was in Jesus' birth story found joy. And I'm thinking that one of the things that God has meant for us all people is that when we meet jesus we meet joy for the first time real eternity shaping lifestyle changing joy because jesus brought joy and so let's talk about tasting this joy really quick i want to be really clear when we start talking about anytime we talk about pain and sorrow I think there's this false theology that says, you know what? If you experience something, it's because God liked you too. And I think that that is a false theology. Like whenever we talk about pain and suffering, there might be some that said like, you know, the worst things that have ever happened to you, like God's okay with that. He destined that for you. He's like, no, I, I don't believe that holds up with like our free choice and our ability to choose him and evil or not. And I also don't believe that's like takes Satan into account all the time. Not everything that happens, God is pleased with. And that's why we have Christ as a redeemer, right? That's why our Savior is a healer and redeemer. Because He alone can bring unimaginable healing into the places in life where like God never intended things to happen to us. God never is pleased with the evil that happens to us. But even with that said, like it, is, it remains a true statement. That God, like in joy with Jesus, God can redeem. Jesus redeems all suffering and he is the only one who has this ability to redeem it and turn our suffering, our pain, into joy. Like that's part of the reason why we tell everyone in the whole world that Jesus is the Messiah because he alone brings all of the pain in the world and can create joy out of it. He's the only one who can bring us that healing and that redemption. Because joy is this tasting that God's plan wins out, that God brings all good things, that He is the source of all good things, and that He wants us to taste it. He wants us to be happy. That's not the most ultimate thing, right? Your Christian walk is not for you to be happy all the time. But a part of it is joy, joy unspeakable, indescribable that we get to experience because we know our Savior wins. Because we know our Savior put on humanity and came with us. Because we know our Savior set up Advent for us to be like, Lord, you put all of us on you and you made it all okay. That I hold on to you and you're going to make it all okay. You're going to wipe away every tear. You are the hope, the love, and the joy for all the world. Joy is this tasting that the future fulfillment of God's promises are coming. And we get to taste it and live it. Uh, Psalm 105 talks about how joy is like, you can find joy in wine because God wants us to experience His joy. We have Psalm 1611 that says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So Yeah, like, Lord... I know that like believing in you won't make me have pleasures every moment of my life, but I believe that's a true statement. That I get to taste your goodness and make a choice, fundamentally choose to look for your hope in all of life's hardships. You know, 2 Corinthians Paul, 2 Corinthians 7, 4, Paul like, is motivated by the Holy Spirit to write, in all of our affliction, I am overflowing with joy. Paul, like the guy who was stoned and in prison and beaten and almost killed and shipwrecked, all of these crazy things. He's like, you know what? I just always, in all of my afflictions, I feel overcome with joy. The thing that comes out of me most is joy because I know Jesus and I work for him. Jesus is our joy. Nehemiah 8, what we covered a couple weeks ago in our Ezra and Nehemiah uh, sermon says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I just reflect on how we are in a similar place like the Old Testament people, right? In the Old Testament, joy was present, joy was in creation, joy was in relationship with the Lord, but it was also something, this future forward thing, joy like will come when the Messiah comes. And then he came, and then he lived his life, and then he left, and now we're in a similar place in that we are waiting. We're waiting for this joy to come back. But that we do this waiting with the Holy Spirit. And so we get to choose joy. Like, Lord, my circumstances are never gonna be perfect. They're never gonna be what I want them to be. But that doesn't mean I I lose my joy. And one of the deepest lessons I learned when Ryan was born born was choosing joy. Like, yeah, money's tight. Yeah. The hospital wants this money right this second. I'm like, Lord, how can I find your joy? How can I live out of this place of your joy? And so, Advent this year for us is this living and tasting of this joy. Like, church, there's so much for us to be thankful for. There's so much for us to rejoice about. And if for nothing else, that the Savior of the world, the The God of the universe, the one who spoke everything into being, loved us and came down here to be with us, and he's never left us alone since. That's a lot to be rejoicing over. And so church, let us like really meet God's plan, the way that he brought Jesus into this world, balancing the reality of it and the joy around it. Because now we are people who say, like, Jesus' birth changed my eternity and I have all the joy in the world. And so, church, Merry Christmas. I really pray that this Christmas is different, that you connect with your Savior on a deeper level, that you're giving Him time every day until this Saturday to be like, Lord, okay, like, speak to me a little bit more. Take me deeper. Give me some of your presence. Let me connect with you emotionally in a way I haven't before. And so, Church, I wanted to finish off today reading uh, this benediction found in the book of Jude, Jude 1. There's only one chapter in Jude, but Jude 1, verses 24-25. I don't always do this, but I want to send us out into Christmas with this blessing. Like, Just find some posture to receive it with your hands open or just close your eyes, and let these words, the words in our Holy Scripture, just rinse over you. In God's Word it says... To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious present without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forever. Amen. So, Merry Christmas, church. We love you. I pray that you have an amazing Christmas this Saturday. I pray that, like, You're just so full of love for your loved ones, for where your life is right now, for this church, for one another, and for your Savior, first and foremost. Um, We'll see each other soon. Merry Christmas. Even though Saturday is Christmas, we're still having church on Sunday, so we'll see you then. We'll have a video up here, or we'll be in person. Join us. We love you very much. Merry Christmas. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. Amen. Bye.